Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. Check out our website at newstantonchurch.com where you can find out how to join our live stream at 901 on Sunday mornings. Now let's prepare our hearts for the word that we're about to receive. I'm going to jump back into that First Peter series, Hope for Today, this morning. And we're going to pick up where we left off in chapter 4. So if you want to check out the rest of the series, uh, you can do that on the website as well. Uh, If you're visiting with us this morning, don't worry. Uh, All the messages kind of stand on their own. But let's read 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer, or a thief, or any other kind of criminal, or even a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name, for it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, What will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Have you ever been sitting maybe in a circle with some friends and someone's story kind of jogs your memory of a story. And then uh, as the conversation goes on, like everyone shares a story and everybody shares something in common. And it's kind of fun. You laugh and you talk and, and joke. But occasionally, those times can almost feel like a, a one-up competition, right? My mama spanked me with a fly swatter. Well, that's gross. Um, but somebody says, well, My mama spanked me with a wooden spoon. And somebody says, well, a wooden spoon, that's nothing. My mama spanked me with a canoe paddle that she called the oar of love. (laughs) And then Eileen says, I limped because my mama ran over me with a Chevy. (laughs) Silence. Like, what do you say to that? (laughs) The level of fiery ordeals or trials that these believers were experiencing outweighs anything that you or I have experienced in our lifetime. The the term fiery ordeal was used by Peter intentionally. You, You may or may not remember that Christians in that day were literally being tarred and lit on fire to light 
the emperor's dinner parties. What do you say after that? Like, I've got nothing. To compare anything that I've experienced suffering for Jesus in my lifetime to that would almost lack integrity. It would almost be disrespectful to the Christians throughout history and in other parts of our world today, actually, that have suffered to that degree for Jesus. So this morning, without making comparisons, I would like to share some to-dos and some not-to-dos about suffering from a, a totally different angle because literally I've got nothing on that. How many of you have heard someone say, you know what, I, I, I don't believe or I struggle to believe because how could a good God allow so much pain and suffering in the world? Like why, why couldn't God in, in his like infinite power create a world? without suffering or pain. Anybody ever, ever hear that as you talk to people? Let's just be honest for a second. Believers ask that question at times, don't we? Everyone hopes to avoid the misery we see in this world. And when suffering becomes personal in some way, most of us are at least tempted to ask the question, why? We're, we're tempted to question the love and the goodness of God. Can you imagine the questions that were floating around people's minds as literally their brothers and sisters in Christ were being blamed for a fire they didn't start and then literally being lit on fire themselves to light the emperor's dinner party? That why question is really, really hard not to get hung up on. Why, God? Why would you allow this to happen to me? An atheist, on the other hand, actually still asks that question, which is really telling. But an, but an atheist has no right, logically, to ask the question, why? Because they believe there isn't a God, which means they believe the events in, of the world are, are kind of random. And that there is no divine purpose to life. In their belief system, there isn't a person who can answer the why question behind suffering. The Christian response to suffering is much more comforting. Not only do we serve a God who can heal, but he has compassion. He weeps with us. He is close to the brokenhearted. And one day, he has promised to right every wrong, every suffering in the world. No more pain, no more crying, no more mourning. What's an atheist got to hold on to? Nothing. It is what it is. Deal. That's why after a tragedy, no one invites an atheist to speak to grieving people. They don't do it. 
It's always a man or a woman of faith who can convey the heart of good God Almighty. So I want to look at some to-dos and some not-to-dos this morning in regard to suffering because I believe it will preach to the world and will help us show people Jesus, people who are looking for hope for today. And I want to start with the not-to-dos this morning. So number one, as a believer, do not be surprised by suffering, Peter tells us. Look at verse 12 again. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. We all know that Jesus said in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have, not a trouble-free life, peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus said, you will have trouble. But somehow, we still kind of get surprised when we experience trials, don't we? Personally, I think it would be easier uh, if suffering were maybe more logical, if it made sense. You know, if bad people suffered I think more of us would be okay with it. If murderers got cancer, cool. If people who committed adultery got STDs, fine. If scammers went bankrupt, finally. If only cat owners had flea-infested houses. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Don't send me emails, it's a joke. But if suffering made sense... I think we could see the justice in it. When it doesn't make sense, it's easy to feel surprised. Like what we're seeing or what we're experiencing is undeserved. Peter tells us that fiery ordeals on one level are a test. In other words, God uses the trials in life for our Good. He says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. (sighs) Trials test our character. They refine our faith. They deepen our faith. I don't believe God causes trials. It's just, I believe God uses every moment in life as a teachable moment for life, and for our good. C.S. Lewis, an amazing author and theologian, said in his book, The Problem of Pain, that pain has a purpose. He, He wrote, if I knew a way to escape, I would crawl through the sewer to find it. I'm not arguing that pain isn't painful. Pain hurts. That's what the word means. I'm only trying to show that the old Christian doctrine of being made perfect through suffering is not incredible or unbelievable. Not being surprised by suffering proclaims a trust in the character and also the sovereignty of God. 
It's not proclaiming that pain isn't painful, but that we will hold on to the one in whom our hope rests, our hope for today. That's how we pass the test. The only thing I believe more depressing than learning to trust the one in whom our hope rests is believing that there is no one to hope in. Amen? Amen. Number two, as a believer, do not think God is angry at you because you are suffering. 1 Peter 4, 13 through 14. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. What an incredible and crazy and amazing and strange concept. Peter is talking about feeling honored, that we as followers of Jesus get the privilege of sharing in Jesus' suffering. Now, that doesn't necessarily apply to all suffering, but suffering for the name of Christ, being a Christian. He's saying that suffering for Christ is a blessing and that we will be overjoyed when Christ is revealed. Really? <laughs> like, on some levels, that's like right over my head. Like, I, I can't imagine. That's not how I feel about suffering. Rejoicing is not my go-to emotion. How about you? When people experience suffering, they, they normally pray against it in Jesus' name as an attack from the enemy, right? Or, or they wonder what they did wrong. Like, God must be angry at me. Because everyone knows that suffering just isn't the will of God, right? Well, insert the snapshot of Jesus flat on his face, sweating drops of blood, pleading, not just once, but three times, Father, if there is any other way, yet not my will, but your will be done. Insert Peter pleading with God, take this thorn out of my flesh, not once, but three times. And God saying, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not sure it's right of us to expect different treatment than what Jesus or Paul got. Again, I'm not saying God causes suffering, but God sees the big picture of life. He's not angry at you. What if the answer to the prayer why is this happening, God? Is, why not? My power is made perfect in weakness. Why not? It's my will in the grand scheme of things. And I know there's a tension in what I'm saying. Because on one hand, God doesn't cause evil or suffering because there's no darkness and no evil and in him at all. But on the other hand, 
because of our fallen world, God is this great opportunist that never wastes a hurt or a pain for our good. Jesus knew his suffering was actually in obedience to the Father and that he would open the way for our salvation. Paul discerned that the purpose behind his pain, his thorn in the flesh, was actually for his good. He said in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul's thorn kept him humble. Some of you parents have a child like that. <laughs> you would be the most arrogant parent alive if it wasn't for that one. Thank you, Jesus. Do you really know anyone that doesn't suffer? Anyone? I don't. But here's what I know. Those who are passing the test are letting suffering draw them closer to Jesus. And those who are failing are letting it push them farther away. Trusting Jesus in the midst of trials shows people Jesus. You kind of just have to keep it real as you do. Let's do the two do's. As a believer, do be wise about what you suffer for because you are a witness. Look at verses 15 through 17 again. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer, like, duh, uh, or a thief or any kind of criminal, but what surprises me, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. If at all possible, suffer for the right reasons. Peter's saying, don't suffer because you deserve it, because <laughs> you are not showing people Jesus well if you suffer and they think, well, yeah, you, they deserve that. This is one of the three times in the entire Bible that Christians are actually called Christians, because that's a new thing. It, 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 it's not something that Christians immediately were called in favor or they love that. It was a slam. People said, oh, you're a Christian. You're one of those people that follow Christ instead of the emperor. Peter encourages early believers to own that and give thanks and praise God. He says, how cool is it that you are associated with Jesus? Be proud of that. I believe as we as believers love and offer forgiveness and don't murder or steal or meddle, other people see Jesus in us, even when we suffer. It shows people Jesus and draws them closer, 
even if they wonder where the strength of our character is coming from and we point to him. Number two, as believers who suffer according to God's will, we are to continue to do good. 19, verse 19 says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Some people would really like to rip this page out of the Bible. Some people would at least like to take a black sharpie and mark over verse 19. The people who just want to pray against suffering as an attack from the enemy don't like this verse. But what if there's a purpose? What if there's a lesson? What if somebody wouldn't come to know Jesus if there wasn't a witness of someone overcoming something in Jesus' name? It really comes down to committing ourselves to our faithful creator. It's about trust. When you're suffering, it's easy to get discouraged and stop doing good. There's, there's that old saying, and it's true. Hurting people hurt people. I think Jesus is saying, but in my power, that doesn't need to be you. Don't give up on doing good, even in the face of suffering. We may never know the answer in this life to the why question. What if why is not as important as we think it is? Do you remember in John chapter 9? I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 and remind you of this story. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Why, Jesus, tell us why this man was blind from birth. Verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, Jesus uses the word we. We must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which this word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. What I like uh, about this story is the way Jesus answered the question, why? He, he said, this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. In other words, this happened so I could do something about it. Uh, this suffering is so that we can do something about it. Why? So we can show people Jesus. 
so that people might come to learn that in him is life and healing and forgiveness and love. We talked about a few to-dos and some not-to-dos. But I think the takeaway is this. If I, if you, if we, as people who suffer, we just need to do something about it for those who are suffering. Do good. Show love. Comfort the hurting. Show people Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we confess that we wrestle and struggle. We grieve. And God, pain is so real. God, would, would you allow us in our pain and in our wrestling and in our hurting to be drawn closer to you instead of feeling that push farther and farther away. And God, as we cling to you, our hope for today, would you use that as a witness? That, that others who are struggling with this broken world where things happen, God, that just grieve our heart and crush our spirits, that God, that they would be drawn closer to you because we just refuse to let go of our hope for today. God, make it so in our lives. May we show people Jesus. In your powerful name, we ask and pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Stanton Church podcast. We'd love to connect with you. So visit our website at newstantonchurch.com, follow the Get Involved tab, and RSVP to our next meet and greet.